You're, you're clapping for the suit, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, the, the only other times I ever wear a suit are when there's a funeral or a wedding. And um, I did my daughter's wedding in Albuquerque a few weeks ago. Many of you know that. And I forgot to take a tie along. And so I, I put it on like this. And I thought, well, that looks okay. I mean, without the tie, do you think or not? I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, how many of you are fans of the show uh, Person of Interest? Oh, man. Wow, that's disappointing. <laughs> yeah, Jim Caviezel, who also plays Jesus, you know, in the, in the movie, he plays a role in that, and he always wears a suit like this without a tie, so I thought that would make it okay. <laughs> hey, great to see you all here. Uh, we're excited about uh, celebrating and worshiping on Easter Sunday together, uh, Resurrection Day. This is just a, a, a great time to gather and open our hearts up to the Lord. We're going to start with something really exciting. A friend of mine, Aaron Ross. I'm going to invite Aaron to come on up. Hey, Aaron. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, doing good, man. Aaron's part of the house group and uh, leadership and an intern here at the church right now. And he had some experiences this week. I wanted you to share them. Yeah, so um, the other day I woke up and I was just kind of feeling like down in the dumps, just in this weird rut. I didn't really know what was going on. And uh, I prayed and, you know, I realized like, this is the enemy. This is the enemy trying to push me back from doing anything more than, you know. And so I, uh, the, so I, I realized, you know, the enemy's pushing me. I'm going to push him even harder. You know, we, like this is a victory, right? That's right. We live yeah. out of victory. So, um, yeah, so I called my friend. I said, hey, man, let's go pray for as many people as we possibly can. And he was like, okay, let's go. So we went to the mall down the street, started praying for people. And I get into this, uh, in this encounter with this uh, young boy. And uh, we're talking, and I'm like, hey, so uh, do you have any pain in your body? And he's like, yeah, my, uh, my knee, my, I have knee pain. Okay, cool, which knee is it? I didn't say anything. That's, that's, he says, I didn't say anything. I'm like, he just said knee pain. So I looked at my friend, I'm like, dude, did he just say knee pain? My friend's like, no, he didn't say anything at all. I'm like, weird, I'm hearing things, I'm losing it or something, right? <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I, uh, I just was like, all right, well, God bless you, man. See you later. And I went to go find the knee pain. It was, it was God's, God's mission for me was to go find someone with knee pain because God wanted to heal that person's knee. So I just, uh, was looking around. I found myself into the food court and, um, you know, I, I, I said to my friend, like, you know, we should go to the family Christian bookstore. Someone has to have knee pain there, you know? So we, <laughs> so, uh, so we're on the, we're on the way, we're walking through the food court and there's all these people sitting down and all of a sudden I hear in my head, new life. So I just turn to the guy right to my right and I say, Hey, do you want a new life? And he says, you're the fourth person to ask me that this week. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, okay, well Jesus is pursuing you, man. Like that's why, you know? And like, so he, so long story short, he, he accepts Jesus right there on the spot. We pray with him. He's super blessed. It's awesome. Yeah. And <laughs> so good. Jesus is awesome. And uh, yeah, so then we, um, I, I realized my friend's not with me anymore. And he must be at the family Christian bookstore. So, I, so I, I run over to the bookstore. I'm like, oh man, where's my friend? And I see him. He's talking to one of the clerks in there. And I'm like, awesome. So I walk in there. I'm like, dude, someone just gave their life to the Lord. Isn't that awesome? He's like, you know what's even cooler? This, guy, this lady has knee pain. <laughs> I was like, 
sweet. So the lady comes around the, from, from around the counter, and, and, we, and my friend prays for her knee, and it, gets, it goes from like a, like a level 10 to a level 3 pain in, uh, in one prayer. And, and I'm like, and she's like, oh, that's awesome. It feels a lot better. I'm like, no, we're not going to stop praying. Like, like we, we want it to be zero pain, you know, like completely healed with the victory of, of, of God, you know. So we pray again, 3 to a 0. And one, one more prayer, and that was it. It was awesome. And she didn't even know what to say. She was so, like, just astounded. Like, oh, my gosh, God heals. That's exactly what she said to me, actually. God heals. And I'm like, yeah, he heals, and he loves you so much. And she was just so blessed by it. And then even later that day, like, another person gave their life to the Lord. So it was super powerful. <laughs> That's so yeah, awesome. It was awesome. Aaron. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Aaron. So how many of you think if the devil, every time he attacks you, you went out and prayed for half a dozen people, do you think he would get the picture eventually and maybe leave you alone? I'm not sure if that's how it works or not, but it sounds pretty good to me. So when we get pushed, we push back. Um, Today we're going to talk about the resurrection of Christ. We're going to talk about hope. I'm going to finish a short series uh, really leading up to Easter and concluding today on this topic of hope. And I think God has some really great things for us through this. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, before we get actually into the message, we're going to have a video. And now in this video, it's uh, from a movie called Elizabeth the Golden Age. And the scene shows Sir Walter Raleigh, who is an explorer, explaining to Queen Elizabeth what it's like to go across the ocean. And so he explains how you're out there and for weeks uh, you don't see land, all you see is water on the horizon. And uh, he talks about hope and he talks about uh, what it's like to actually complete the mission. And uh, j- just an exciting video I want you to watch. But for the first time, we actually have a preview for this video. And uh, we're going to start off watching this preview. Uh, next week, we are starting here at this church. Uh, a Freedom Project. We had Freedom Project last year. If you remember, how many of you were here for the Freedom Project last year? Okay, awesome. We're going to do it again. The message series this year is going to be uh, called um, The um, Prosperous Soul. And so our goal is going to be to share principles and truths that will help us to prosper at really at a heart, soul, inner life Level, So it's going to be exciting. Uh, starts next week. You'll see the preview of that. So let's watch the preview and the video right now, and then I'll be right back up. All right, this is going to be awesome because we're going to follow the pattern of a king in the Old Testament named Hezekiah and um, some things that he led uh, his his people into, and we'll talk more about that next week. But it's going to be a great six weeks. Wait a second, I came up early. We have the other video to watch, don't we? Okay, so let's watch this other video now. For weeks, you see nothing but the horizon, perfect and empty. You live in the grip of fear, fear of storms. Fear of sickness on board. Fear of the immensity. So you must drive that fear down deep into your belly. Study your charts. Watch your compass. Pray for a fair wind. 
and hope. Pure, naked, fragile. Hope. Let us in the archive from the court of waiting. Let them wait. Go on, Mr. Raleigh. You were hoping? At first, it's no more than a haze on the horizon. So you watch. You watch. And it's a smudge. A shadow on the far water. For a day. For another day. The stain slowly spreads along the horizon taking form until on the third day you let yourself believe you dare to whisper the word land land life resurrection a true adventure out of the vast unknown, out of the immensity, into new life. That, your majesty, is the new world. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, a description of hope, a description of looking ahead. Now, he says hope is fragile, and I take issue with that. Christian hope is not fragile. Uh, To him, hope was fragile. Uh, in, In a worldly sense, hope is fragile. But when you have the hope of Christ, hope is not fragile. If you remember, in the last two weeks, we uh, tried to give a definition of hope. And hope, uh, hope culturally is used in a different way than it is in the biblical culture. In our culture today, even in Sir Walter Raleigh's culture, they use the word hope as kind of like a wish. You know, like tossing a penny into a wishing well or when I wish upon a star. You know, it's just a, it's just a wish. It's just a, ho- just a desire for something to happen. But hope biblically is always connected to what Jesus did. It's always connected to the resurrection of Christ. It is always corrected, connected to the real life relationship that we can have with Jesus Christ. And that's what makes it solid. That's what makes it real. In fact, uh, Colossians 1.27 says that Christ in you is the hope of glory. Okay, look at that. Christ in you. So Jesus, the resurrected Jesus in me is the hope that I will one day fully experience his glory. What I was created for and what I was redeemed for. And so it's Christ in us. And we've seen in the past couple weeks that our hope is a certainty because we have relationship with God. We have relationship with Jesus. And it is having Jesus in my life that is the best thing about life. Having him in my life is the best thing any, I ever experience. 
in the, in the very best of times, it's Jesus in me that is the best thing. And then even when we go through struggles and pain and heartache and hardship, which we all do, it is Jesus in me that is the best thing in life. It's Jesus in me that gives me peace and courage and comfort and hope and strength. And because he's in me and because he has said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I can know that the same life Jesus releases in me today will be there tomorrow and will be there a week from now, a year from now, five years from now. And so I look to the future with confidence. And that's what hope is biblically. In the biblical culture, the word hope uh, actually meant a confident expectation of good. That's what the word meant, a confident expectation of good. And I think I put the word excited in there in parentheses, didn't I? Yeah, because there's this undertone of excitement to it. It's like an excited expectation of good. It's something you know is going to happen, and it is so certain that you're excited about it even before it happens. Hope, biblically, is more about a kid on Christmas Eve that can't wait to get up the next morning and and see what's under the tree. Uh, When I was a kid, I had cousins that um, lived in a town a couple hours away. We didn't get to see them often, uh, but a couple times a year we would go see them or they would come see us. And I remember this one time, we were, the, the plan was that they were going to get to our house about one o'clock in the afternoon, and they were going to stay the whole week, and I, we had other family members in the town I lived in. So we were all excited. I was so excited that morning, I got up probably at the crack of dawn, didn't know what to do with myself. And so I took a shovel, and I went into the backyard, and I started digging a hole. And I thought, yeah, I, I don't know what I was thinking. Well, I know what I was thinking. You, you, it, it might be funny too, but I thought if I dig this big hole, then when they get here, they're going to be so impressed that I dug this hole and we can all just jump in it and we can play in it and just have a great time. And so I remember shoveling and working as hard as I could to dig this hole and looking, you know, just digging and looking and digging and looking. And I you know, kept my eyes open for them. They were supposed to get there at one. I don't think they got there till about three or so. And the hole still was not, you know, not, not anything anybody could actually <laughs> jump into. But that's what hope is. I was confident they were coming. I didn't have any doubts. I wasn't wishing that they would show up sometime today. I knew they were going to. And I was excited about it. Well, we know Jesus. You know Jesus in your heart. You can look to the future with excitement, with confidence and excitement, because he has the future. And he's going to be with you in the future. And I'm not saying that we're all going to face great, easy stuff. We're not. And even if we did, that doesn't mean that we would be happy. As I said, Jesus is the best thing about life right now, and he will be tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that, no matter what we face. That's our hope. That's our confident expectation. That's what gets us excited about life, is knowing Jesus and knowing he's going to be with us. Now, Sir Walter Raleigh, he uh, talked about seeing the horizon. He talked about seeing that haze uh, from the land, you know, releasing heat, and the sky looks a little different. And, and then you see a smudge, 
And then eventually, uh, after a few days, you actually begin to see on the horizon uh, land, mountains rising up, and you see land on the horizon. Well, for us, when we come to Jesus, when you accept Jesus, at that very moment, and from that moment on, you can see land. It's, it's not like in the Christian life you have to go through all this long period of just all you see is water, and I don't know if I'll ever get to heaven, I don't know if I'll ever see land. From the moment you're born again, from the moment you receive Jesus, from that moment, you can see the reality of the hope. And it is that spiritual eyesight that gives us the opportunity to see the reality of the hope. That is what stirs the hope within us. Now, it is spiritual eyesight. It's something that God gives to us. And it happens the moment a person receives Christ. Jesus said this to uh, uh, one, one guy that came to him, a theologian, a, a religious leader of the day. I mean, this guy was smart. He was, and he had a lot of smart friends. And they talked about all the smart stuff they knew. And all the smart things they thought of. And all of their smart theories about who God was. And all the smart theories about what you have to do to please God. And they, that's all they did with their lives. Was to study and talk about who God was and how you can make God happy. And so this guy comes to Jesus and, and he raises some issues with Jesus and Jesus just turns to him and said, you have to be born again if you want to see the kingdom of God. I think I have that verse here. Jesus answered him and said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He can't what? It. He can't see it. He might speculate about it. He might wonder if it's really there. He might think about it and talk about it with all of his other smart friends. But he can't see it. But the moment you accept Jesus, the moment you do, you can see the kingdom of God. You can see the unseeable. You can see that thing which you have thought was there and you had hoped was there, but now your eyes are opened and you can see it. Now, there are people who come to Jesus and accept Jesus because they are just being overwhelmed with problems and sin in their life. And maybe, maybe they're overwhelmed with guilt and they just say, I've got to get rid of this guilt. I mean, that's how I came to Jesus. I, was, I was, had so many things I was doing wrong that I knew were wrong and they were way wrong and I just had, I just, Jesus, I've got to, get, I've got to get freed from all this guilt and this stuff that's holding on to my life. But, you know, sometimes people come to Jesus simply because, like this guy Nicodemus that Jesus talked to, simply because they recognize that they can't see. Simply because they recognize that in spite of all the mental effort they've put into it, and how, how much time they have spent, and how many arguments, how many books they've read, they still can't see it. And sometimes when people come to that point of recognizing and just being willing to say, Jesus, I, I can't see it. I, I need to see it. And, and we call out to him, and Jesus, come into my life. Come into my life. Change me. Give me spiritual eyesight so that I can see spiritual truth. And at the moment that that happens, 
The Holy Spirit just floods in. He rushes into us. He is the third person of the Trinity. He's the one who applies what Jesus did at the resurrection. Okay, at the resurrection, Jesus has already defeated death. The resurrection is like the stamp of approval on that. The resurrection is like this massive release of power that is the result of the work on the cross. And so the Holy Spirit takes all of that and he brings it right to the individual and, uh, and he, he brings it into us and he brings the life of the kingdom into us. He changes our hearts. And in that instant of time, just in that, in that instant of time, we go from being blind spiritually to seeing spiritually. And we can suddenly see and things that we couldn't understand before, now we think, oh, okay, I get that. Things that we might have argued about before, we think, oh, well, that's not, nothing to argue about. I understand this now. So from the moment we're, we're saved, from the moment we receive Jesus, we can, in effect, see heaven. We see it. It's a reality to us. And just like the land was a reality to Sir Walter Raleigh, you see heaven out there in the distance, and you say, that's, boy, that's where I'm headed that's where I'm headed. We need to get this ship right because we're headed there. We, we need to think about what are we going to do when we get there. We need to think about how we're going to organize stuff here because we don't want to be taking a lot of stuff along that we don't need once we get there. And so if there's, if there's stuff we don't need, let's throw it overboard so we can get there faster. I mean, the, the, whole, the, whole, the, the whole focus becomes that land that they see. And for you and for me, when we see the kingdom of God, we see the kingdom of heaven, it becomes the focus of our lives. It becomes the place of joy for us. It becomes the place of hope for us. And it is a hope that's a certainty. It is a confident, excited expectation about the future. Now, it shouldn't be too much of a stretch to think that we need help seeing spiritual realities. Should it? I mean, I I hope it's not. Because think about this. Uh, the, the light spectrum, you know, there's a spectrum of light, they call it. And if, if you go from uh, the, the lowest form, the lowest light wave to the, to the uh, highest, fastest light wave, how much of that spectrum can we see with our natural vision? Anybody know? Any scientists here? The answer is this, 2.3%. What you see when you look around, the light waves you see are 2.3% of all the light waves that are there. Now, we've all seen police shows, army shows, whatever, where they put on the special goggles. Have you ever seen that? And suddenly they can look and they can see, oh, you know, I, I see that heat signature over there. there there's, uh, correct, if any of you are scientists, you can correct me about this later. But just for the sake of the illustration, just accept this, Okay. <laughs> You know, you put those on, and suddenly they enable you to see things you couldn't see before. Real things that are there, but you couldn't see before. And so in a world of infrared lenses and black holes and all of these other incredible mind-blowing scientific discoveries, why would anyone doubt that there could be a spiritual realm, which it takes a spiritual rebirth and spiritual eyes being open in order to see. That's exactly what Jesus told us. And that's exactly why we're here today. 
either because I've come to see it and I just, I want to worship him or maybe I have a friend I brought because I'm just praying that they'll see it. I'm praying that they'll just, that they'll just say, Jesus, come into my heart. I want to see this too. I, I want to see that far shoreline. I want to see the reality of the kingdom. Open my heart, open my mind to perceive and my spiritual eyes to see because th- that's what uh, releases God's hope into us. His super, just a supernatural work. Well, we talked about uh, hope as, as re- regarding the presence of Jesus in us and how his presence gives us hope for tomorrow and the next day and, and on into eternity. But I want to look today at some of, the, some of the expressions of hope that actually uh, point ahead to eternity and, and actually speak about heaven, about eternity, about that distant shore that we're headed to. We can already see it and we know, we know we're headed there. And uh, one of the things that uh, we hold on to is, well, well, let's look at this verse first, Colossians 1, 4 and 5. In Colossians 1, 4 and 5, he talks about uh, this hope that we have. And, and he says, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. Okay, God has something reserved for you in heaven. And so if God reserves it, then God preserves it. Do you know that? If God makes the reservation, then God preserves it. God knows how to hold a reservation. Have you ever seen the Seinfeld episode where he goes to rent a car and uh, they have rented his car? And he said, but I had a reservation. And the lady said, I know you had a reservation, but we don't have a car. And he said, but isn't a reservation means you're going to keep a car for me. And she says, I know what a reservation is. And he says, I don't think you do. (laughs) You know how to take the reservation. You just don't know how to hold the reservation. Well, God knows how to hold the reservation. He's reserved something in heaven for us. We need to to know that and understand that. Allow the Holy Spirit to reveal that to us more and more, more and more. Even if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, we all want to just say, Lord, show me more. I want to see more. Reveal more to me. Revelation from God shows us more. Our mind's eye sees more. So we want to desire to see more. So let's talk just a little bit about just three key things that are going to happen that are part of that future hope. You know, the first one is uh, the future hope of a new body. Future hope of a new body. How many are hoping for a new body someday? Yeah, man, I'll tell you what, the older you get, the more you're hoping for that. Um, You don't have to be old, though. Injury, disease, sickness happen to people of all ages. Someday, there's going to be a new body. Did you know that? Did you know that we're not going to be just like spirits floating around in heaven? That, that's, not, that's not what happens to us. If you know Jesus, then just like Jesus rose from the dead, there's going to be a day coming when your body's going to be changed. If you know Jesus. And you're going to receive a resurrection body just like the body of Jesus. It says that uh, several places in the Bible. Just one short verse in 1 Corinthians 15 He's arguing for this whole thing of the resurrection. And he says, it's going to be sown a perishable body. And sown, he means, you, you, you die and you get buried. And so it's buried and it's perishable. 
What's that mean? Well, it dries out, turns into dust, worms eat it, you know, whatever happens, it's gone. But he says it's going to be raised, what? A, an imperishable body. And just as Jesus was raised from the dead, when he returns, everyone who knows him is going to be raised from the dead body-wise. Now, you might raise the question, well, what happens to, what, what, like, what, you know, my mother passed away or my father passed away. Where are they right now? Okay, we're not going to take a lot of time on this, but uh, I've studied it. I'll give you my conclusion here, just the 30-second conclusion. They're in heaven right now with Jesus. They probably have some form of an intermediate body that is not their permanent dwelling place, but something like that. But they're in the presence of God. But when Jesus returns, somehow in a miracle we don't really fully comprehend, God's going to collect some of the atoms some of the molecules from that person's body. He knows where they are. And he's going to take a handful of them, and he's going to take that, and he's going to recreate that person's physical being. And it's going to be recreated into an eternal, glorified, imperishable body and be joined together once again with the spirit, the soul. And so we, uh, we who, if we're alive when Jesus returns, then it's just going to happen. It's just going to bingo. It's going to happen. And then we go to be in his presence. But there's, we're going to receive these new bodies where there won't be any pain any longer. We won't have to pray for hurt knees. We won't have to rebuke migraine headaches and tell them to leave. Because while today we walk in the power of the kingdom, we walk in the power of the resurrection of Jesus, and we have authority and power to command illness to go and to pray healing over people's physical bodies. In that day, Jesus will release it all himself. It'll, all of the power, it'll just, it'll just be, there it is, and we will be completely changed and have glorified bodies fit for eternity. So that's pretty exciting and uh, pretty cool stuff, don't you think? Yeah, no, yeah, no more aches and pains, huh? I like that. All right, here's a second thing. We have the hope of a fully restored soul. The future hope of a fully restored soul. Now get this. The moment you accept Jesus, you are changed. And at the core, you are given new spiritual DNA. You're a different person. Born again, that's what born again means. New, changed, different, new spiritual DNA. And from that moment on, for the rest of your life, that new DNA is growing to supplant the old. And you're, you're, you're living out of that, that newness that you are. You're righteous. You have God's truth and life. When Jesus returns, he's just going to complete the process in a moment's time. He's going to, between now and then, we're promised that we will keep growing more like Jesus. But when he returns, he will complete the process. Just like with our bodies, he'll complete the process in a, in a moment's time. And we see this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 22 and 23. And really, boy, I want this to be an encouragement because I think a lot of us, we, we accept Jesus and we experience initial joy and peace and 
right away, a couple good things happen. Maybe some things change. I, I remember when I first accepted Jesus. I mean, it was obvious you quit doing drugs and stuff like that. But um, I, I quit being angry at my sister. And I didn't know why. It wasn't something I thought through. I didn't have to memorize any Bible verses to make it happen or anything like that. I just knew when she teased me, I didn't chase her anymore. I just didn't care. I just wasn't mad at her anymore. Uh, so you see some things change. But then over the course of time, we, we start to see other things that rise up in our lives like attitudes or, or depression or um, uh, relational issues that come up. And, and they, they smack us. And then we think, oh, am I really different? Have I really changed? Maybe I didn't really pray right when I accepted Jesus. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm the, the one exception in all of eternity of the person that turned to Jesus and he didn't actually come in and change them. And we, do you ever experience that? Anybody? Come on. Come on. I mean, yeah, we, we get discouraged. And what we need to do is to realize this. It's God's work. It's God's work to change us. And I'm not saying we don't cooperate with that. I'm not saying that I don't have to lean into it. I'm not saying I don't have choices to make. But I am saying, ultimately, the completion of the whole process of you becoming like Jesus in your heart, in your soul, in your life, of you being fully changed, that is God's work. And we see that First 1 Thessalonians 5. It says this, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you. Sanctify means make you holy. What that means is make you like Jesus, okay? Cut all the religious stuff from the word holy. Just peel that all away. Just toss that and just think, it means make me like Jesus. Uh, the God of peace is going to make you like Jesus through and through, through and through. He's not going to miss any spots, okay? You might be afraid. There's this habit that keeps coming back and grabbing you. And, 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 I, and I believe you can have freedom from that today. But part of getting freedom from it today is realizing that that freedom is guaranteed, and it's God who does it through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, he includes spirit, soul, body, all of it going to be perfect. There's, no one's going to be able to point out anything that would be imperfect when Jesus returns. That's what it means, blameless. And then he goes on to say this. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will What? He will what? He will do it, won't he? All right, who's going to do it? He will do it. Let's say that together, all right? I'm going to ask you, who will do it? And you're going to say, he will do it. All right, that's the answer. Okay, who will do it? Who will do it? You will do it? Okay, he will do it. Now, I'm going to ask this. Anybody here brave enough to put your hand up and say, you know, I'm struggling with something right now. There's an attitude that I just can't shake. There's a habit pattern. Okay, people's hands are going up. You want to just keep your hands up? We're not going to look around and try to embarrass you. Oh, come on. This whole section over here is claiming. Okay. That's a little better. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Any, everybody over here, over here? Okay, good. Now, everybody else, those of you that put your hand up, I want you to listen right now. You listen, we're going to encourage you. I'm going to say, who will do it? And we're all going to say to you, he will do it. All right? So who will do it? He will do it. 
All right, you guys hearing this? Who will do it? He will do it. He is faithful. Faithful is the one who has called you. He will do it. Man, that's a simple, powerful little phrase, isn't it? He will do it. Don't give up. Don't become discouraged. Don't just give in and say, what's the use? Because he will do it. He will do it. Hold on. It's coming. And when you know that, and when you really begin to set your hope in that, then, then you have access to it to grab hold of it and bring it back into your life today. Does that make sense? That's how the kingdom works. We get to reach into the future and grab hold of the kingdom and draw it back into our lives today. That's We take hold of life that is truly life. And so we, he will do it. We'll, we'll receive new complete souls changed in every respect. Third thing is the hope of a future home, future hope of a new home. Um, all right. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it really be bad if we got these new bodies and we became like what is called confirmed in righteousness. That's what the theologians call it. That means we're not going to sin anymore. And we're just, we're going to, we're going to rejoice in our relationship with Jesus all the time. And we're going to be kind to other people. We're going to want to get to know other people just because they're wonderful and not because, you know, I I have to pretend to be nice so they don't get mad at me or whatever. Um, but, but wouldn't it be bad if we get all that, but we still had to live in a broken world. And so we don't live in a broken world anymore. When Jesus returns, Revelation 21, 3 through 5, listen to this. It says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. All right, in the Old Testament, God put a temple here. And he said, I'll, I'll, I'll live in this temple. You can come and see me once in a while. Okay, that's cool. Wouldn't it be cool to be part of a nation where God's put a house and says, I'll be there. You can come talk to me when you want to. That's awesome. But then when Jesus came, when he died on the cross and broke all the powers of darkness, rose from the dead to release the power and life of God to us, and the Holy Spirit came, he indwelled individuals at that point. And so now God says, I dwell in you. And I dwell in you, and I dwell in you, and he dwells in us collectively as a church. And here, it's just emphasizing uh, the dwelling place of God is with man. We get part of that right now. But he goes on to say, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. No more tears. Anybody cry on the way to church today? Anybody? Anybody cry this week over something? Yes, sadness, heartache. Um, any, any of you guys made your wives cry this week? Come on, I know you have to be honest because your wife is right here. No more tears. At least no more bad tears. I don't know if there'll be tears of joy or not. I suspect there will be, but no more tears over pain. No more pain. No more death. Death shall be no more. You know, the death that came because Adam and Eve sinned because they turned away from God done, dealt with, final blow. Jesus took care of it at the cross. We get to walk in that freedom right now, applying it here. When Jesus returns, he applies it totally. Death is gone. No more death. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That means the way things are now. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all 
things new. Isn't that great? That's awesome. Yeah, just give it up. Yeah, for the Lord. All right, so no grudges, no hunger, no unemployment, no sickness, no terrorism, no greed. Jesus is Jesus, and, and all those who know him are there with him. And that's why it's so important that, that, that we be what Jesus calls us to be as a church so others can come to know him. That's why that's so important that you and I walk in the reality of this and walk with Jesus in us so that we can just share the life of Jesus with others everywhere we go. Uh, yeah, we're going to worship. Um, we're going to worship. And uh, I'm trying to decide if I should show you that video clip from the movie Heaven is Real. You want to vote? Yeah. Let's vote. Okay. I, I wonder if we should give the, the kids in the nursery, the workers in the nursery, a vote. No. no one gets that. Um, some of you get it. How many of you work in the nursery here? Put your hands up high. Okay, God bless you. Man, I'll tell you folks, we're going to see a whole lot more of those hands go up. Okay? We need more of you to work in the nursery. Um, okay, so this v- movie is about a little boy that um, went to heaven and came back and tells about it. And people will ask, well, do you believe it's true? Do you believe it's not true? I, I, I don't see a whole lot in it that I would say is just flat out unbiblical. So I can't just say, that's all I would say. I don't know them. If I knew them, I'd look them in the eye and talk to them. And, and if I trusted the character, I'd just say, okay, I believe them. Uh, but I don't know them. But nevertheless, this is a powerful video clip, okay? And I can imagine this happening. And so we're going to watch it, and it just gives us a little taste of the reality of heaven. You had your grandpa named Pop, right? That's right. Was he your daddy's daddy or your mommy's daddy? He was my mom's daddy. He died when I was about your age. He's very nice. You saw Pop? You saw my grandfather? You saw him. Where did you see him? In heaven. I love my grandfather very much. He was there with me when my father couldn't be. He taught me to weld. He gave me that slingshot. I know. We play with it. That's right. And he was a good man. He was a really good man, but I don't know what he believed in. None of us did. He's one of the reasons your dad became a minister. I was hoping he'd get a break into heaven. You don't have to worry, Dad. He's there. He came up to me and told me he was your grandfather, and you called him Pop. And he held me in his lap, just like Jesus did. And he told me everything was all right. Okay, but just look. Are you sure? Colton. Nobody wears glasses in heaven. Can I go play? Because when my. No, 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 but are you sure that's not him? No, okay, 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 okay. Just when mom gets home. Yeah, mom will be home in a second. Just wait one second, wait. 
heaven, everybody's young. Are you okay, Dan? An awful lot happened here in heaven. Yeah, it was amazing. Okay. Yeah, did you like that? Yeah. I love that line. Nobody wears glasses in heaven. Duh. You should have known that. Um, heaven is a real place, and uh, we're going to end up there someday. That's, that's the uh, final destination for the believer in Christ. And that puts hope in our hearts to live for him today. And uh, we're going we're gonna to worship now, so I'm going to invite the worship team out. Those that are going to serve communion can make their way to the back to prepare. And the way we do communion here is we will have servers. We'll have servers here at the front, and we will have servers in the back. And um, when you're ready, you can go to one of those places. We take the, the little cracker. It represents Jesus' body. He gave his body for us on the cross. And you dip that in the juice. The juice represents his blood that he shed for us. And then we consume it. We eat it, which is, Jesus, I can't live without you. And now we're not receiving Jesus when we do that, but we are commemorating uh, what he did for us and worshiping him in, in, in a really special way that he told us to, to worship. So we do come to this with the expectation of God's presence and, uh, and nearness to us. And I want to ask you to stand with me. The servers will be at their spots in just a moment. And um, there are several in the back. So if you can, make your way to the back. If you're towards the front, come to the front. And uh, Father God, we thank you that uh, you sent your son Jesus to die for us. Jesus, thank you for your mercy and your grace and your goodness. Thank you for defeating death. Thank you for bursting out of that grave with new life and power. And we celebrate that now as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.